by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, as we continue our series on emotions, what's up for today? We are going to talk today about anxiety and some things that can help us when we are anxious. Ooh, I'm kind of anxious to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm an anxious kind of person, so I'm hoping maybe we can find some solutions to anxiety today how about you yeah would you please open today's program with a word of prayer yes our loving father in heaven we thank you so much for um, the ability to come and to um, just look at what your word says and look at the the desires in your heart that you would have for us and that would be to have a peaceful life and now we just pray that uh, as we look at the solutions that you have for us that you will help us to um, take them in and to learn them and put them into practice in our very lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Winston Churchill once said, I remember the story of an old man who said on his deathbed that he had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. Hmm. You know, that's kind of where I'm at sometimes, especially um, in certain areas of my life. And one of the areas uh, where I invite trouble is when it comes time to go somewhere and maybe catch a plane. And uh, I get a little anxious, and I like to be there early. And we had gone to Las Vegas on a... She's giggling already over there. We had gone to Las Vegas on a business trip not long ago, um, and uh, uh, me and some guys from, from work. And, and what had happened was we were uh, there for three days at a, at a seminar, and then was, we were discussing the night before what time we'd leave. We, our plane was going to leave at 3 o'clock, and so we thought if we got over there, we left, uh, we, if we left our hotel at 1 o'clock and went over to the airport, we'd be fine. But then that morning, that morning, uh, one of the guys came over and said, you know, President Obama is in town, and uh, he's leaving out of the same airport that we're leaving out of. And all of a sudden I started getting this sinking feeling, and I said, well, what time's he leaving? And they said, 1 o'clock. And then one of the other guys says, you know, they're probably going to close the freeway. And then the other guy goes, well, yeah, that place is going to be a madhouse. And, and in my mind, I'm going, oh, boy, I can just see it. So we started So this, in your mind, you're thinking, I'm never going to get home. Uh, that's exactly where <laughs> that in, immediately I took, you know, I saw a crowded airport. I saw. You're going to miss the flight. Close, yeah, I just blew it all out of proportion, right? And uh, so w- w- we ended up leaving a little bit early. About, uh, I don't know, 12 o'clock, we went over there, and the cab driver knew what was going on, so he knew just where to go and where to drop us off. And then we walked past, and we saw all these cabs and all these people, and it was it was kind of a madhouse. But just coincidentally, we went up the stairs, and a sheriff 
came up and says, where are you guys heading? I mean, how many times have you been at an airport and a sheriff walks up and asks you where you're heading? So this guy walks up and, and he asks us where we're heading. And we said, Sacramento. He goes, well, what gate? And we said, well, we don't know because we're here so early it's not even on the board yet. And so he said, well, if this lady will let you through, go through right here. It's a long walk, but you can get to all gates over there. And so we looked over at the other area where they were, uh, uh, the security area, and there was just thousands of people. And we were like, man, it's going to take hours to get through that. And we went right through, and we walked, got to our gate. By the time we got there, it told us gate C5. We got on the plane. Everything was fine. just fine. Right. You know, and see, that's the problem of with us having anxiety in certain areas of our lives. Anxious individuals focus on 50% of events that will never happen, 25% of occurrences of the past that can't be changed, 10% about unconfirmed criticism by others, 10% about health, much of it apprehensive, and 5% about real problems that will be faced. You know, we have... uh, when when I when I read those stats, I thought about uh, I thought about peace and being peaceful, and how can we avoid um, this type of, of human destruction that we do to ourselves? And it just when when I was thinking about that, I was actually feeding the cows, and I noticed uh, as I reflected on things, those cows every day I feed them twice a day, five, usually right around five o'clock um, each day, and uh, five in the morning and five at night, and when I pull up, they're laying down, waiting for their hay. Mm-hmm. They're not anxious. They know it's coming, and they're at peace, and they're just laying there chewing their cud, and they know every day they're going to get fed twice a day. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we trusted God so much to know that he's going to show up with everything we need every time? You know, Scripture is filled. I just wish I could be as peaceful as Molly and Holly, you know, and mm-hmm. just sit there and wait. Now, the other day, remember, they were they were they were mooing at the front window and that was very rare and we said what is wrong with molly and holly well the fact was the creek had dried up and they had run out of water and they'd been out of water for a couple of days so we we knew something was up with them but they were really howling through the through the window if you sit in our kitchen window you can see them they can stare in if something's not right right yeah scripture's filled with verses containing words such as afraid anxiety anxious fret frightened, even terrified. Many references have to do with what people are anxious and fearful about, others with the promises of divine divine reassurance to those who are feel fearful or anxious. That's right. In Matthew 6.25, the Bible says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these." If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
You know, if you think about what is going on on this planet to feed every animal, it's amazing. And and I got I started thinking about that as I was putting putting a, a presentation together one time, and I thought you know it'd be interesting to to find out how much this uh, um, you know, we consume food wise in the United States and what God is actually providing. You know because I mean we may cook it up and make it, but God is providing it. Correct. God's providing it. So recently I did some research on food. And it's interesting because there's a lot of statistics on junk food. And I, I, I thought that was kind of, it was better to get statistics on junk food. And, and so um, I'm sure many of you know that nowadays in the United States, in any given year, we do consume a lot of junk food. In fact, wrap your mind around this. Three, and this is one year in the United States. 300 million barrels of soda, 21 million tons of sugar... 3,500,000 tons of pizza, 3,600,000 tons of ice cream, and 4,350,000, these are tons of french fries. And, and that's, that's actually 87 billion pounds of french fries. So what I did was I did a little, little math to, to figure out, you know, to put it in perspective, what does it really mean, 87 billion pounds of french fries wow. because that's a lot of potatoes right if you were to sit at the freeway and every two and a half minutes a full semi truck load went by that would happen every two and a half minutes 24 hours a day every day of the week for a full year wow. it's amount of potatoes that just potatoes that we consume as french fries Wow. In the United States. See, so God is providing for us beyond our wildest dreams, mm-hmm. in, incomprehensible numbers of, of, of vegetables and fruits and foods that we don't, but all we know is we see it served to us, we take it for granted, but then we worry, we worry, we worry. God's got it all under control. Right. I know in Peter, First uh, Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's a great text, but it's easier said than done, isn't it? Yes. I mean, do you worry? Yes. About what? Usually about work. About I, work. I, well, I just have a lot to do. You have a lot I to do. I have a lot to do. Uh-huh. And God can't take care of those things for you. Well, you know, I always reason with myself that God, of course, can take care of those things, but I have to do my part as well. So Sure. And so you worry about your part. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can't. I mean, that's what makes people tick. Right is be and God, I think, put that in in us to be conscientious, and so there has to be a balance. Um, I know your dad used to work a lot, but did he worry that much about work? No, but my dad was a workaholic. I mean, he he worked he, on a he continuous. Loved he loved to work, and he didn't let it get to him. And and he was very easygoing. But he was he worked from sunup until into the evening hours and when he wasn't working he was doing a lot of volunteer work for the sports and things in the local town but he that's what he enjoyed doing and this, i think that that's volunteer the, work is and, and we'll get into that I, a little and bit and i think that's what it was is i think he really loved his work and and so the, he didn't he wasn't stressed at all yeah not at all yeah it's not work that kills it's worry that's right the only way to avoid worry is to take every trouble to christ Let's not look on the dark side. We can cultivate cheerfulness of spirit. Cheerfulness of spirit. Um, 
that's a that's a great concept, isn't it? I yes. mean, you can kind of picture an anxious person and an, a cheerful person, and you can bring anxiety into a room, or you can bring cheerfulness into the room. Uh, right, it is a choice. We have choice. to stop and and think about what's happening and what we're doing. Yeah, anxiety is manifested through distress about uncertainty. Such uncertainties may be near or far in the future, and they may not even happen for the time being. They exist only in the mind. I know my mind is a dangerous place to go by myself. A friend of mine once said he has a whole cul-de-sac of people up there talking to him, so he doesn't like to go up there by himself. Yet the symptoms of anxiety are quite real, both emotionally and physically, and, and they can be painful. Fear and anxiety can be frequent and destructive. Common anxiety symptoms include apprehension, worry, insomnia, jitters, tension, headaches, fatigue, dizziness, breathlessness, sweating, difficulty in concentrating, hypervigilance, and even heart palpitations. And I remember one time when I was all wrapped up in my work, we had so much going on, and all of a sudden, uh, my heart would start palpitating. And it would do it about once or twice an hour, all the time. I mean, you know, every once in a while you get your heart to palpitate it. And, you know, right. like, okay, well, you know, I'm getting old. It does that. And that's what the doctor says. But this was going on every hour for like six or eight minutes. And then it would stop. And then it would do it again. So I made an appointment, went in, and the doctor put the stethoscope up there. And it did it right then. So then they hooked me up to one of those ECG, I guess, is it, uh, electrocardiogram things. That, but it's a little guy that you put on your belt. Portable one. Portable one. And, you, and they monitor you for like 72 hours. And you pack this thing around. And you got the electrodes on you and everything. And But what had happened was, evidently, it pulled out of it because they said I was normal after that. But uh, if, then the doctor said, you know, you were stressed out. You were anxious. You, it was the anxiety that did it. So we can see that it, anxiety is very destructive to the human organism. That's right. Anxiety also may come with panic attacks. The experiences are real, but God is interested in freeing us from these kinds of occurrences and invites us to trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You know, and that's that's a uh, that's a scripture that you, that you really need to memorize if you haven't. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then and leaning not on your own understanding. And in other words, God always knows what's best. He always knows what's best. And if we can keep that in the forefront of our mind, it will really help us. Right, because there's so many things in our in our daily lives that we trust, but it seems like sometimes God is the last person yeah. that we do trust. Yeah, or if we do trust and we pull it away from him, you know. Right. In addiction recover there's a saying, how's it go? One day at a time. One day at a time. You know that that concept is actually a biblical theme. Are you aware of that? That's right. In Matthew 6:34 it says, "Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own." That's a great. Each it is. day has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry about tomorrow. That's I mean, it right. doesn't, you know. That's that's pretty neat. Putting into practice the message of Matthew 6:34 would bring so much peace to people today. Jesus is not asking us to ignore planning or to be careless. He simply is telling us not to worry about what may happen. Not to use the typical what-if thoughts. What if I get sick? What if I use, lose my job? What if someone I love has an accident? You know, what if, what if? Are, are you a what-ifer? You know, every not on a, on a regular basis, but every once in a while I have a sense, oh, what if when, you're, when you leave? 
the house and I'm thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't get into an accident. Well, I drive all day, you know, so I drive to like, today I drove to Modesto, I drive to Palo Alto, and we live in Sacramento. A few hours, anywhere Two and a half to three hours one way, and then, you know, so yeah, I drive pretty much all day, so she kind of gets a little bit anxious about that. Now, in some counseling sessions, clients act out roles relevant relevant to real-life situations that lead to increased self-confidence and enhanced self-esteem. In addition, they learn how to manage their thoughts when anxiety is near so that the mind may be focused on safe themes. They're also taught relaxation and breathing techniques to be used in critical situations. Now, these strategies enjoy a relatively high level of, of success, but they focus on gaining trust in oneself in order to reduce the chances of feeling anxious. This is acceptable but incomplete because trust in ourselves is but a small step. We need, in the end, to learn to trust in God. That's right. You know, it seems hard for us as humans to trust in something or someone outside of ourselves, isn't it? I wonder why that is. Is it because maybe our focus is narrow? We only see just what's in front of us at, at any given time. Is it because we don't want to or we fail to look at a bigger picture? Because when you look at the big picture of trust, and trusting someone outside yourself, that person that you trust has to be trustworthy, mm-hmm. and there has to be hope. Mm-hmm. There has to be hope along with that trust. Mm-hmm. And if there's no hope, then everything goes out the window. It's a come. You cannot have trust without hope. Right. And so um, there was an experiment done once, and and this illustrates just the power of having hope. Dr. Richter of John Hopkins Medical School carried out an experiment that attempted to measure the effect of having hope. The experiments involved placing rats into cylinders of water that were 30 inches deep by 8 inches wide. After a short time, half of the rats were momentarily rescued by being lifted out of the cylinder just for just a few seconds, then put right back into the water. Now get this, the other half weren't. The group that was given hope swam for more than three days. The other rats drowned almost immediately. The rats that knew there was a chance of being rescued again had a goal, to stay alive until the next rescue. The other group had no goal, so they they just gave up. What is your goal? Is it to live happy and healthy? Do you believe God's promises? Because that's the question. If you want to live happy and healthy, the recipe is to believe God's promises. There's where your hope is. How about this promise? In John 14, 1, God says, Jesus says, let not, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. These great words encourage trust and hope. Trust in the Father. Trust in Jesus because this is a trust that can free the troubled heart from gazing at the future in distress. As he's speaking to the disciples, Jesus immediately takes their attention to the kingdom that he's preparing for them. See, they're not, their hope is not in the, in the, in, you know, they're not hoping that there's a heaven. The fact that there is a heaven is their hope. Right. And, that, and, and some people go through life hoping there will be a heaven, but that's not reality. The fact that there is eternal life in Christ Jesus is your hope. 
Correct. And, and we have to remember to get that prioritized. It's a fact. In other words, no matter what happens to you here, no matter how bad things are, this is what you have waiting for you. Trust in me and my promises. This is what Jesus said to them and is saying to us now. Right. And in, in Matthew 18, 2, um, God's word says, So Jesus called a child to come and stand in front of him. And he said, I assure you that unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what did he mean by that? Now, first he tells them there is a kingdom of heaven. He paints a picture in my father's house or many mansions. And now he says, but but in, in but he doubling back in Matthew 18, he says, but you need to become like a child. What does a child do? It trusts his parents. Correct. Unless, of course, he's a teenager. Then, well, I won't get into that. But Jesus asked us to relate to him as a child, to his or her, as a child relates to his or her mother, allowing ourselves to be soothed and comforter, comforted by his tender care. We, though, have to make a conscious choice to do that. Let's look at one more Bible text. In fact, this one is my one of my favorites. Revelation 21.1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Wow. I just, I love that. That just sends chills up and down my spine, especially Revelation 21.4. Think about it. If there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain, then there will be no more anxiety. Jesus is the only source and the fulfillment of every promise the realization of every blessing. Our journey here on earth would definitely be lonely and full of anxiety if it weren't for Jesus. I will not leave you comfortless, he says to us. Let's cherish his words, believe his promises, repeat them day by day and meditate on them at night. And please let us be happy. You know, the other day I was uh, walking, go for a walk across the street and I was walking down the uh, to the cul-de-sac there and there's fields on both sides, there's big acreage. And, um, you know, I heard this goose flying around. And, you know, geese, they don't fly alone. They mate for life. Mm -hmm. And this goose was flying by itself. And, you, and it was honking, you know. And I couldn't imitate a honk right now if I wanted to. But it was honking, looking for its mate. And it circled, and it circled, and it circled, and honked, and circled, and honked. And I felt so bad for that goose looking for its mate, you know. And that goose may cry out all day long and never find its mate. It may cry out for weeks. I don't know. But I guarantee that God will hear your cry and he will find you. It's for life, eternal life, that God wants to get together with you. And, um, you know, I kind of trained my brain to be anxious because of my addiction to drugs. And it was hard to break the anxiety and the and the weird stuff that went on and being anxious uh, after I got clean and sober and it has been a process of learning how to trust God in all 
all things. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to trust him. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to help you and guide you and say, Lord, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like trusting you, but we have to trust God. That's right. We trust in his word, not in what our feelings say, but what, but what his word says. Right. What, what did uh, Proverbs 3 Verse 4 and 5 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He will direct your path. You know, Second Chronicles 20, verse 15 says, This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You know, that's a real sobering thought. The battle is not yours. It's God's. And he's already won the, and won he's, the battle. He's already won the battle, hasn't he? Right. Has he won the battle for you in your mind and in your life? That's the question. Because we it, know at the end of time, we know that there's going to be peace and joy and happiness. There's not going to be any more pain or are, anything. Are his problems a reality for you? As we close, we'd like you to keep in mind that there's a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you. And that you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.